Susquehanna Valley Church Podcast. This is Matt Saxinger, head pastor here. Hey, we want to help you think about stuff you got to think about and talk about stuff you got to talk about. Thanks for joining in. We've got a very special guest with us today. Um, first of all, why don't you say who you are and tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Matt Kepke. Um, in uniform today, but that has nothing to do with our joking earlier about National Guard activating. Yeah, this is not like a special like uh, emergency announcement or anything. No, nope. I just I have to go to work here in a little bit. I'm in the army, and uh, we appreciate what you do. Yeah, it's fun. So what do you do? What do you do in the military? I uh, teach people how to fly, fly how helicopters. Fly. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and not just job. any helicopters, but not just any heli. I, I appreciate that lead in there. For oh, that. they're definitely That's, the coolest. It helicopter. is. It is the coolest. It's the Chinook. It's the sure. biggest. The baddest. The fastest. Yeah. I could go on. It is the fastest? I had it's no the idea. the fastest, yeah. Wow. And that, so the Chinook, for people who don't know, that's what what distinguishes that from a regular helicopter? It's a tandem rotor helicopter. So All right, for normal people talk. So it's it has two main rotor heads that are... All right, so that means blades. Well, more than two blades. Wow, now but, we're getting technical. But it has, it's essentially the thrust, it throws the air down. It's the one that looks like it could collide with itself it doesn't have a tail rotor because um, it doesn't need a tail rotor yeah so all the power goes into just keeping it flying the direction that it it wants to fly and moving the direction it wants to move it's not wasted there's no wasted power on something preventing it from spinning opposite of the blades so it's definitely not just a helicopter now for somebody who doesn't know anything about helicopters when they look up in the sky how do they know it's a chinook because hmm. it looks like a school bus yeah with two palm trees hmm. could we call those blades hitting. yeah you can call them at this okay. point yes you so can we're call back them. to two blades all right good <laughs> glad we got that straightened out it's a lot of fun to fly how long have you been in the military uh just almost 17 years 16 ish wow. 17 years yeah that's incredible have you been like active duty anywhere yeah, so I've, I've been active duty, kind of moved moved all over every couple of years. Um, my wife, kids, and I have moved to different places. Um, we kind of got tired of the moving and kind of the some of the, you know, deployments and, and being gone. So we ended up settling here. I applied sure. for and was selected to, to take a job here where no more moving, um, no more, you know, deployments, so to speak. I just get to teach people how to fly helicopters and live in a, really, a lot of fun with that. Yeah, live in a really cool place. Sure. I, I love it. Now you, you mentioned family. You've got. So I, my wife, Stephanie, and then I have two daughters, Kaylee and Lena. And they're Kaylee and Lena. Teenage years. Awesome. And which one, which one's older and which one's younger? Kaylee's older. She's 14. And then Lena is 12. Yeah. I think it was Kaylee who, when, when uh, she found out that we were going to do the podcast, I said, hey, is there anything like I should ask your dad? Like, this is your chance. He's he's going on public yeah. here. Um, and first of all, she was like, you know, he should ask which is his favorite daughter, which which we won't. Well, that's kind of mean. We won't do that. Um, and, but the other one was she said, ask him about the tattoo. The tattoo. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's the deal? What's the deal with the tattoo? I have a tattoo on top of a tattoo on top of a tattoo i think that's where it stops so, so yeah that, so is that three mistakes in one uh is it that? is <laughs> yeah it is and like the next step is not more tattoo but i don't know maybe just 
just accept, you know, just, just accept that it is what it is. And, uh, you know, Matt, we live in a fallen and broken world and the tattoo <laughs> this, is evidence of is that. I will tell imperfection. <laughs> so like, just, just give me like the 30 second overview of how you, so, how this happened. So I was 17 and at the age of 17, I looked like I was 12. Everybody makes good decisions when they're 17. Right. And, Definitely. and I was somewhat dared or told, like, you would never be able to get a tattoo. You look too young. So I would go to the tattoo parlor. <laughs> and I have no idea what I'm going to get, what I'm going to do. And I just, you know, was in the, the deepest, like, you know, baddest voice I can. I asked the guy who was in there, like, hey, you yeah. know, I want to get a tattoo, thinking he's going to tell me, get out of here. You're, right. you're 12. Right. And... Nope. He said, what do you want? So Wow. So he must have been like hurting for business yeah. or something. I was dating a girl, probably had been dating her for a couple of months no, or whatever. And I was you like, I'm just going to put her name on there. Oh, no. Let's do this. Because that was oh, no. probably one of the cheapest <laughs> things I could have done, right? Wow. A couple letters. So then years go now, by. Was, she, was that like, a, was she impressed by that or was she like, I think she was probably weird. totally freaked out. Okay. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean she, <laughs> at 17, a permanent. Yeah. yeah. She probably gotcha. did one of those weird cheesy smiles and convinced me, <laughs> a 17 year old dumb kid, that it was cool. But she was probably yeah. totally like, oh my goodness. All right. So that's mistake number one. What's, what's mistake number two? Well, then I go back to the same guy who did it. You know, I mean, he did good work the first time, right? <laughs> a month or two later, however long, you know, I think it was a little longer than that. But I said, hey, man, you got to cover this up. Me, she and I are no more. <laughs> and it was, it's just terrible. It looked like a Batman symbol. Oh, no. It was bad. Were it was you supposed going to be, for Batman? I was going for tribal. That was the thing with tattoos at that day okay. and age. It was a tribal yep, tattoo. Yep. And uh, epic fail. It looked terrible. And then I was deployed in Afghanistan where you should be getting tattoos, right? Okay, so this many is Many years three, later, right? many, many years later, and a guy I worked with said that he has done many tattoos. He had a portfolio. He had a book full of all these pictures, and then they looked great, and he had he had his kit with him. He had all the gun and the, yeah. the ink and stuff in his room. I go to his room, so and he, he says... He seemed more legitimate than the first guy. Uh, maybe, you know, <laughs> but I saw the pictures looked good, and he was very convincing that he could make this look as if none of that other stuff was ever there, right? And I don't want to say that he lied, but he was wrong. (laughs) So it's bad. It's a bad tattoo. So what is the full, like, like... If I if you're trying to visualize it for something, how how would you describe? Because I'm picturing the Batman Batman. symbol and then a, a wooden cross. Okay, so on top of the Batman symbol, so so some of the some of the cross you can't see, (laughs) because the Batman symbol is so thick and just black, one color, and the cross, of course, was meant to have like texture, yeah, because it was wooden, and then kind of a set of wings were going to come out from behind the cross, and and then sort of like make that Batman symbol go away, and so it's a Batman symbol wings (laughs) and a cross that. It's bad. I want like you can't see the. I name. would love for people listening in to like draw what they think this looks <laughs> like and send this into us. Yeah, and I like I I, I don't know. I'll, I'll like buy you lunch if it looks good. <laughs> Have a contest. Yeah, that that would be incredible. Um, well, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate more your daughter being willing to mm. to uh, give us a good story. She really sacrificed for she, that one. She yeah. did. She's awesome. <laughs> um, well, hey, so we got a lot going on in our country right now. It's n- no secret with uh, the COVID-19 stuff. I was curious, you know, from your experience in the military, 
I'm assuming being in some situations that were pretty difficult and, and stressful over the years, what, what sort of advice do you have for people as they walk through this? Yeah, I, I think that uh, in a lot of ways, this is, this is, while it is something new, it's nothing new at the same time. There's always, hmm. there's always things out there that are going to potentially cause some degree of panic that are going to require some degree of like wise control measures to be put in place to prevent sure. the situation from getting worse. Uh, but I would say, you know, like, you know, we talked helicopters and that kind of thing. So in a really bad situation in an aircraft where you think that there is a likelihood that death is imminent, right? That's a bad situation. Potentially. Yeah, I would put that in bad situation. I would say though category. that, that panicking has zero positive impact wow. on the situation. I, if anything, it's going to make it worse, right? It's going to sure. make you do something that to induce, you know, further danger or damage or something like that. So I would say this, you, we should look at it in the same way, like with, with wisdom, put control measures in place so we don't yeah. further a problem. But at the same time, I, I think it's both from a logical and a world standpoint, whether you're a Christian or not, panicking and freaking out over something uh, is not going to be good. And then certainly from a biblical worldview, we're yeah. like, commanded not to be fearful. Yeah, and I appreciate you going there, actually. Um, you know, I was thinking of Matthew 6, where Jesus says, like, don't worry. You know, look at the birds, look at the, look at the flowers, and God the Father provides for those. And so... You, know, you you shouldn't worry either. And one of the things I love about that is he's essentially saying, like, the worry side of it, that's not your job. Yeah. So don't worry about your job. You know, your job is is to control what you can control, the things you can control. You know, that's where we trust God. That's where we have faith. But on the day-to-day -day stuff, you know, panic, it, it doesn't worry. It doesn't do us any good. No. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I love that perspective, and uh, I love that we could transition into what's what I know is really most important to you, which is God's Word. That wasn't always the case. Give me kind of a brief rundown of how you came from a person, because you really weren't involved in church or really wanting to follow after God, and then, like, here you are. This is a big part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that uh, when I was young, I had a typical, normal family we did attend church and uh, I do somewhat remember a time where I feel like at a young young age I understood like I could pray to God like the God that created the world that he you know yeah. he holds the whole world in his hands you know this Jesus loves me the sure you know the songs and the things that you teach kids at a young age my family uh it just didn't work out as far as the typical, you know, dad, mom, yeah. family stays together. My parents divorced. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, that certainly is impactful. I don't think, we, yeah. you know, that anyone could, uh, could understand and, and probably relate in some way to, a, you know, a broken family. Um, having said that, no excuse for, you know, then the individual choices we make. And I would say that I certainly, you know, walked away from any idea of honoring, you know, yeah. the, the creator of all things, including myself. And, um, I, you know, I, I made life choices that, you know, the, the tattoo is a great, you know, reference back to that. I mean, a 17 year old kid in a tattoo parlor 
what are you doing? You, you know, why are you, you're deliberately looking sure. for things to do that are things that you should not be mm-hmm. doing. And so that's a good, you know, a good, you know, picture that we can paint for kind of how I lived life and what I was doing. Um, I would say that, uh, Kaylee, thanks for that, you know, story or whatever. She's my first daughter. And when, you know, Stephanie and I had Kaylee, I, you know, it was, it really was an impactful, you know, moment. Right, right. So <laughs> looking you're at holding this <clears throat> human being. And it was like, yeah. th- this has, this is, you know, this is an absolute miracle. You know, we talk about that. Right. About how, you know, a baby is a miracle. you know, this is, you know, it really got me. And I'm thinking, you know, what, what now? Like it, it actually got me to think, what, what do I do with this? Um, and so I was sort of, well, I, I mean, I guess maybe take my family to church when I was little, you know, that and this is, sure, that's there's, what you did. Yeah. there's something good there. I don't understand what's going on, why, yeah. how, but there's something good to that. I, I think I should do that. Right. And uh, so we did, we began to attend church. Uh, the the pastor and the, the community that uh, was there was, was faithful, you know, they, it was biblically sound. It was good teaching, good preaching, right. good, you know, right. And just hearing the Bible on Sundays, you know, week in and week out, eventually really just chipped away and pricked away. And I realized like, this is wow. my entire perspective on life and the things and the, the ways I pursue things and the reasons I pursue things all just, yeah, kinda, it all kind of clicked. For it, it all began to change. Yeah. It's interesting to me. To me I, I talk to a lot of guys in the military and always, uh, always appreciate and thankful for what they do. Um, but the thing that always intrigues me is it seems like the military and their experience either pushes people away from God or draws them close. I'm curious, like what your take on that is. It does. There's, there's not really like a happy medium. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think a lot of people find themselves in, in, you know, stressful situations, whether you're in the military or not. And the military certainly provides opportunity for, you know, stress and different things to happen and people to, to make the claim you know, if, if you've seen what I'd seen or if you had experienced right. what I've experienced and then how they end that is either, you, you know, you, there's no way you could believe in God or I, there's no way you cannot believe in God. You it's know, fascinating it's, to me that you say that because I've actually heard both both exact statements. Yeah. Like if you've seen what I've seen, you'd know that God can't be real. Right. Or if you've seen what I've seen, you'd know that God has to be real. Yeah. And that's that's, I would say, prevalent in the military. Uh, I. I don't want to skew, you know, I would say probably more often than not, you know, people tend to to step away, hmm. to not move toward God, to not seek, you know, God, um, but to to kind of shut any thought of that down, any pursuit of him down, unfortunately, you know. Like I said, Why do you think often. that is? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <clears throat> people like myself aren't... Uh, you know, aren't forward enough, aren't, um, yeah. eager enough to engage, sure. um, you know, and, and provide the counter perspective, you know, yeah. people that they interact with every day. I don't know. Well, and I think, uh, oftentimes we kind of, we kind of miss out on, we, we have a, a, a perspective that's, that's kind of off where we see like, um, there's, there's so much bad in this world that there couldn't be God because, because they're seeing kind of the heightened, wickedness heightened evil of humanity and they're looking at that and saying that god couldn't be real 
and I would I would reason that I see that and say the scriptures really the Bible really is the only place that offers a legitimate explanation for the fact that given the opportunity people will do some extremely selfish and, and uh, ruthless things yeah and and so what do you do with that what you know your worldview however you view the world just hating God doesn't make that go away right you still have a lot of problems with humanity and evil um, I, we, we actually originally got together because we wanted to talk about a, a passage of scripture and, and so I want us to look through that and and just kind of maybe point out some stuff here but um, yeah, let's go to uh, John chapter eight and and verse forty eight here. Uh, why don't you read quick, and sure. then if you, um, and so you read the the passage of scripture, and then we'll talk about it. Go ahead. Sure. Again, this is John chapter eight verse forty eight. Says the Jews answered him, "Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon?" Jesus answered, "I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me." Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Love it. So, so uh, when we started talking, like, what made you come up with go this? Yeah, yeah. What made you go for that text? Uh, you know, we talked about kind of the two perspectives that are in opposition. There, either you know, you've seen what I've seen. You either, you know, couldn't believe in God, or you, or you do believe in God. And I think. You know, Jesus in this text, this is at the end of, you know, a long sort of back and forth between Jews. You right. know, he's in the temple, he's teaching, and he's he's laying out for them his identity. He's telling them who he is and the implications of that. Right. And, you know, that's what that's what happens with all of us. You know, Romans 1 talks about that. Like, God, he makes it clear. He makes it plain. He provides the evidence. It's all right there in front of you. And... And what they're doing here in this text is what so many of us do. Uh, I would say probably all of us have done up until some point in our life, maybe yeah. prior to you know him him really getting our attention. Uh, but they're they're just in complete denial. They're saying, "No, you are not, you know, the yeah. Messiah. You are not earlier, you know, the Son of Man. You are not who you are not God." Uh, you have, you have a demon. You know you're 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 just there's something wrong with you. You're a liar. And what's interesting is a lot of their their attempt to disprove who Jesus is is really because it allows them to be free of recognizing him as the Messiah. Right. It's it's mainly you couldn't be this guy. I won't even consider the reality that you could be this guy because if you are this guy, that means I'm wrong. Yeah, and I can't be wrong, so therefore you can't be this guy. 
And so that that line of reasoning, yeah. uh, it just fascinates me as you see it um, with the Jewish leaders here. And I, I think uh, I think it's a text that's worth us diving in a little bit. Um, so so why don't we do this? We're at a good point to kind of like wrap it up. Um, I would love for you guys to check this out to read John eight forty eight um, through, through the end of the chapter there, and just kind of look and see who Christ is because I think as we consider who Christ is. Um, and, and push past this, who I want him to be or don't want him to be, like just who is he actually? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's worth your time to look at that, especially as a time when there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of fear, because we get focused on um, who am I and my vulnerabilities and my weaknesses as opposed to who is Christ. So uh, why don't we wrap it up here and, and, and uh, we'll do another podcast and we'll invite you to come back and, and check out as we look a little bit deeper um, and, and look at who is Christ and how they miss the point pretty clearly here. So I uh, just want to thank everybody for checking us out. Uh, again, we, we want to help you think about stuff you got to think about. At the same time, we want to help you talk about stuff you got to talk about. So we'd love for you to, to, uh, to look at this text and have some conversation and, and come back and check us out. Uh, as we uh, as we put another podcast together on this text here so thanks for checking us out